Our scripture text this morning comes from Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, through chapter 40, verse 8. Listen now for a word from God. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he remained there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer, chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was also confined. The captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he waited on them. They continued for some time in custody. One night, they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison each his own dream, and each dream with its own meaning. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please, tell them to me. This is God's word to us. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, last Sunday, Pastor Garrett shared a story about stealing from the offering plate when he was a small child. If you were not here for that sermon or not tuned in online, I highly recommend that you go back and watch it, partially because of the great story of Pastor Garrett stealing from an offering plate, but also because it gives us a beautiful image of stewardship. So my relationship with money as a young child was a little less devious than Garrett's, but I did think that I would start with a confession as well. When I was about seven or eight, the same age that Garrett was at his time of his crime, uh, I had, well, I was living with parents, I'll say, who were very health conscious. In our household, dessert was apples or fig newtons. We were not allowed candy or sugary cereals or anything, and so it gave me this sweet tooth that is still not quenched to this day. My parents also were big on saving money, and so I had a large jar in my room of money to be saved for noble purposes, like gifts for family and friends or college. But what I would do every week is sneak quarters out of the savings jar, put them in my shoes, and take them to ballet where there was a secret vending machine in the back room. (laughs) 
And then I would load up on usually Skittles and moon pies and all kinds of junk food, and I would sneakily eat it before I went home. Kids have a very interesting relationship with money, and it takes a lot of us some time to figure out how to use it well, well into our adulthood, I think. But we are in this season of stewardship here at Fort Street, and as one of my friends put it, isn't that just church talk for asking people for money? And it's sad that it has been reduced to this because stewardship is actually so much bigger. And so our goal in these few weeks is to take a big picture and to think broadly about what it means to be stewards of all of the gifts that God has given us. And so, though it might not look like it at first glance, this story that we read about Joseph is actually a beautiful story of stewardship. Joseph is one of the most favorite characters of the Old Testament. And we might know him through studying the Bible, we might know him through the wonderful musical Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, but we remember that Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob, one of 12, and he was so clearly the favorite. His father would talk about it all the time and would give him special gifts like this multicolored robe, and so the other brothers were understandably jealous. We know from early on that Joseph has this amazing gift of interpreting dreams. So one day he and his brothers are out pasturing in the fields and his brothers conspire to kill him. And thankfully, at that moment, some Ishmaelites are coming from Gilead down to Egypt and so they decide, instead of killing him, to sell him into slavery and make a little money in the process. So Joseph is carried away to Egypt, and the brothers take back the torn apart and bloodied robe to their father, and they tell him that they assume that he is dead. Meanwhile, Joseph goes down to Egypt, and he is put in Potiphar's care. He becomes a servant to Potiphar and is able to help him with all kinds of things. He grows in responsibility, and everything he touches prospers. But soon he is framed, he is set up, and Potiphar's wife has accused him of seducing him, and so he is thrown into prison. This is where our story for today picks up. He is in this jail, the place where the king's officials end up as well, and he is at a very low point in his life. This is a story of stewardship, but there is no money involved. Joseph is poor at this point in his life. He does not have a single penny to his name, but that does not mean that he doesn't have other things. Here in this story, Joseph has been betrayed. He's been left for dead. He's been sold into slavery. He's been wrongly accused. He's been thrown into prison. And I would imagine that this would be a time when it could be easy to only focus on himself. When it could be easy to feel a lot of pity and when it could be easy to not go out of the way to help others or see God's blessings. I can understand that mentality. I have lived into it in my life and said things like, well, 
I'll volunteer when I have a little more free time. Or I'll give financially when I make a little more money. Maybe when my student loans are paid off, which is code for 1990 never, <laughs> if you're of my generation. We often treat stewardship as something that we'll consider and engage with when we get our affairs in order, when life feels a little less crazy, when we see surplus to give. But Joseph's story reminds us that there are resources to manage even when it doesn't look like it. Joseph notices the baker and the cupbearer are in distress one morning. He goes out of his way to ask them what is troubling them. He gives them his attention even when he didn't have to. They tell him that they have had dreams that were very upsetting and they can't figure out what they mean. And so Joseph asks them to tell them about their dreams. He gives them their energy, his energy, even though he didn't have to. And then when he hears these dreams, Joseph is able to understand them. He can interpret them. And so he gives them this skill, this gift, and he tells them what they mean. He didn't have to. Even though he doesn't have money, Joseph has gifts he has attention, he has energy, he has the skill of interpreting dreams, and he is a good steward of those things. Garrett defined it last week, stewardship as managing the resources that God has given us. Managing all that we have with God in mind. Not just money, but our clothing, our attention, our time, our skills, our food, our humor, our property, all that we have. I think that the key to Joseph's mindset of stewardship is recognizing that all that he has comes from God in the first place. From the very beginning of his story, Joseph has said these gifts, these skills that he has belong to God. And here in this story, even when the cupbearer and the baker know that he can interpret dreams, he says, don't all interpretations belong to God? He doesn't say, yeah, I know, I have a really great gift. He says, this is God's gift playing out in me. Joseph sees himself as the agent, the vessel that God works through. Last week, Garrett reminded us that we are not obligated to give. We are invited. We're also at our best when we give. Psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically, we are healthier human beings and we are closer to the people that God created us to be when we give. So what does this invitation look like? I think that we are invited into that Joseph mindset that comes from letting go of selfishness and ownership mentality, the mindset that we can be the hands and feet of God in the world. 
We're invited to use all that we have to join God's spirit in the work of making heaven look, making earth look a little more like heaven. I imagine stewardship being a little bit like that scene from Apollo 13. It's a wonderful movie, and of course it tracks the actual journey of astronauts on the Apollo 13 mission. And there's this beautiful scene where they have to create a square filter to fit in a round hole with only the things they have available on the ship in order to survive. And so the folks on the ground and the folks that are in space are working together and they piece together all kinds of things to make the thing that they need to survive. They use duct tape, they use the cover of the flight manual that they've torn off, they use pieces of hose and fuse and cardboard from all kinds of other things, and they lay it all out on the table and they say, okay, here's what we have. How can we create something that will sustain life with this? That's our challenge of stewardship to take all that we have, all of the amazing bits and the quirky little things and the gifts that we have and our own duct tape and pieces and gardens and jobs and bank accounts and internet browsing history and all of the little pieces of life and to put them out and say, how can we be God's people with these things? Stewardship is about so much more than just giving the right portion. Someone might faithfully give 10% of their income to the church or to another nonprofit, but if with the other 90% they are investing in things that promote injustice or ruin the planet, are they really good stewards? If people faithfully devote volunteer hours every single week to important causes, but with the rest of their time are bullying and selfish and aggressive, Are they really good stewards? We are called to bring all of who we are before God. And we see in Joseph's story that when we are good stewards with all that we have, that forgiveness comes, that connection comes. We see that restoration comes and and needs are met, and people are met with the love of God. As Joseph's story goes on, he is taken out of prison to help interpret a dream of Pharaoh's, a dream where he correctly predicts a time of feast and then a time of famine. And because of his interpretation, he's put into a position of power, and he helps shepherd all of Egypt into managing resources well so that they can share with others when the famine hits. Stewardship brings about help for those in need, and it brings about forgiveness. In Joseph's story, when his family is met with this famine, they travel to him, and he is able to offer them not only food to continue their lives, but forgiveness for all that they put him through. Good good stewardship heals and restores. My challenge for us this week is to think about all that we have. To remember that they are gifts from God 
and to use our energy and attention in a way that recognizes that. Think about your money this week. Recognize it as a gift from God and ask how you might steward it best. Think about your skills and your gifts this week. See them as a gift from God and ask how you might use them best. Think about your energy and your attention and all of the little quirks and personality traits and items and spaces that you have in your life. See them as gifts and ask God how you might use them to further a kingdom of love and of hope. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for the story of Joseph for showing us that stewardship is about all of who we are and bringing all of your great gifts back to your glory. Lord, you have invited us, and so we too invite others to share in your love. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.